spoken me. I went to sleep that night without knowing that it would be the last night I ever spent in that bed at my parents' house in London. Meredith, my mum shook me awake. The room was dark, making it obvious it wasn't morning yet, or not time to get up for school anyway. Mum, I mumbled in my half-asleep state. It's time to go. Everything I told you about those stories is true. It's time for you to leave us so you can train to be a protector. Your dad and I, we've done everything we possibly can to prepare you. First Charge is the first book in the Destiny Initiative series by Amanda Steele. The book can be purchased in paperback from Amazon. The e-book can also be purchased on Kindle, Kobo, Apple Books and many others. Spoken Thank you today for tuning in to Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up at the beginning of 2016 and as of recording has over 200 sessions in our archive. Although the podcast can be heard on Anchor, iTunes, Apple, Spotify, YouTube and literally 10 or 11 other networks, the full archive can be found at Spoken Label, all one word, spokenlabel.bandcamp.com. On Bandcamp, it is set as pay what you want. So you are entitled, if you wish, you can download it or stream it for nothing. But if you're going to throw me a couple of pennies my way, it is always a term they're grateful to help me maintain the operating costs and future running costs for this podcast. Enjoy. Spoken. Hi guys, Andy N, Spoken Label, back in the house. Back on Zoom today. Yeah, of course, a little bit nearer have happened recently, but this is on the other side of the Pennines this time. So one of my favourite areas actually as well. But look, a while, obviously, pre-lockdown. Well, we've got a lady with me called Susan Darlington, who I, I think, Susan, did I first see you on Jim Hugo's night away with words fairly recently? Or was it another night? Yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. last year. Actually, I thought it was, yeah. I'll show you how busy I am, I'm wondering. Like, it's, I me and Susan booked it a couple of months ago. <laughs> My schedule is absolutely ridiculous at the minute, so. But I, I, when I saw Susan at away with words, I was struck, I looked, the energy and the words straight away. I wanted to get an interview for a session straight away. So, Susan, as an introduction, you want to tell people who you are? And obviously, we've done that already, and where you come from, and what starts you off your creativity, we'll take it from there. Yeah, yeah. As you said, I'm Susan Darlington. Um, I'm originally from Osset, which is a small town in West Yorkshire, and I've moved all of, like, 20 miles to Leeds. I'm in North Leeds now. On the, the right side of the Pennines, one would argue. <laughs> oh, exactly. We're in the rough bit. <laughs> no, but I'll get you clear. No, brilliant. Now, I've been reading up about you before, and tell people about where all your creativity originally came from. Because I know you're not just a poet, are you, Benny Stretch of Thoughts? Uh, yeah, I kind of do um, music journalism as well. Or, I say music, I kind of do bits of when things were, were allowed to, did a bit of theatre as well, a bit, bit of book reviews as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, kind of, I grew up in, in a household where um, my father is a writer. Um, you know, he does bits of poetry, he's done journalism as well. So I grew up in a household where writing was very natural. It's not something that I ever really questioned or thought of as unusual. Um, and so I guess almost without thinking, I started to do the same. Um, so from a very young age, you know, I was messing around with words. Um, 
I guess initially it would be short stories, really. I'm not too sure at what point that evolved into poetry. Um, but certainly messing around with words was something that's, that's always been there. Um, I think as with all the teenagers, you know, you got to, got to be like 16, 17, and music just sort of became an all-consuming passion for me. Um, I guess that was like the early 90s when there was such a, a thriving fanzine community. Oh, yeah, because yeah, I, I did fanzines back in the days myself as well, so I we're about the same age, so yeah, and I can remember yeah. back, back to my fanzines were as well, but yeah, it was it was a different different buzz, wasn't it, really, with the music scene to the way it is nowadays, because the internet has took it a different way. Do you, do you find that, do you? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a part of me that really misses the community of, you know, each day there'd be a fanzine turning up on the doormat, which was brilliant. And it was all, you know, so DIY and, um, you know, you had people of so many different stages and, and interests and ability levels. But at the same time, you know, the internet has completely widened it out and it's, it's accessible in a very different way. And certainly I think, you know, for the writing community, it's such a vibrant place to be. We've got so many magazines now starting up, a lot of them which are especially, you know, supportive of emerging artists. Um, and I think in many ways, you'll remember yourself, you know, back then it was having to scurry through the back of the enemy or whatever, looking at the classified to try and find an inroads oh. in these places. Yeah, Whereas now, you know, provided you've got social media or whatever, it's so easy and um, immediate. Yeah, I can remember the old days where I used to send submissions across the magazines all the time and you had to put the stamp address envelope on it. And it was just, you look back at it now, it's just very surreal, isn't it? Thinking about it nowadays, nowadays you get an email bouncing back to you about six months later, no, I'm not interested. Back then, it was like you're getting, you're getting poems returned to you. You were thinking, oh, that's what, oh they accepted me. They haven't. <laughs> I don't you mean that myself. <laughs> but, um, yes, I, I know you've had um, bits of freelance journalism pubs in quite a few places, haven't you, really, as well? Because I know you've had something in the Yorkshire Evening Post, the Metro, mm -hmm. the Morning Star, Loud and Quiet, Spectrum Culture. And yeah. two, blimey, it's that sun going that is completely so. <laughs> That one. What did you do a lot? Was it, did you do a lot, lots of concert reviews or did you do interviews with bands as well, have you then, or, or bits and pieces? Yeah, bits and pieces. I mean, it's mainly um, mainly reviews. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've done some interviews with, um, I, can't, I, I like to, to do mainly up and coming artists. You know, I always think that writing should be about giving that platform to people who I'm really enthusiastic about and I want to introduce them to other people. Um, you know, I'm sure that if I had the opportunity to interview somebody really famous, I would do. But, you know, at the same time, you know, one of my favourite interviews of recent years is with an artist called Hayley Hendricks, who's like an indie folk artist. Yes, yes. I've got a, uh, one of my friends at works really into that artist, definitely. So I know what you mean. So, yeah. He does like and it. it. And it was just so lovely to me because you could see that it was kind of one of the first interviews that she'd done and she was slightly nervous about it, didn't quite know what to expect, very um, suspicious on one level, but also really open to, you know, that this is, um, you know, a great opportunity. Um, and I think it's just so nice to be part of that journey and hopefully, you know, to then see the career evolve and to think, oh, yeah, I've been a very small part of that. I do the same myself with them when I do the podcast and that, this because... I've met so many people, and there's some people now I've had back on the podcast a couple of times when because they've come really good friends. It gives me to when they've got something they need to share. I say, yeah, come back on again. 
<laughs> right, do, isn't it? So, well, I know what you mean. Same for you, similar for you. Like, it's probably given time, you'll be have a chance to chat to people again and again, won't you? Probably stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah brilliant. Now, obviously, we've spoken over in the Porsche podcast. I know. I want to talk to you about your book today. So, I know you had a collection out a couple of years ago, didn't you? Under mm-hmm. the Devil's Moon, which was published by the Penniless Press Publications mm-hmm. a few years ago. So, tell people about that then. Uh, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of that, I, I wasn't working on a, a collection as such. You know, a lot of the poems in there were things that I'd written over quite a long period of time. Um, so I think, actually, I mean, uh, there, there, there seems to be a thread through a lot of them, which is very nature-based. There's a lot of water in there. Um, if, if you've seen the cover, it's, you know, the cover is um, of a rock pool. Which sort of seems to summarise a lot of the themes in there, um, and, and actually, I, I was approached by Penless Press to to put the collection out, which was obviously very flattering. Oh, yeah. um, uh, so I say, even though I wasn't working on, on that collection, looking through the work that I've been producing, there did seem to be that thread throughout. Um, and look, I think it came out five years ago now, and so I look at a lot of the work now and. Um, I think it's always interesting to look back, isn't it? Because a lot of the stuff there, I certainly wouldn't be writing it now. And I don't mean that in a critical way as such, because some of it is a lot more um, honest and raw than I would be writing now. And I think there's a lot of energy in it, which um, I'm not saying that my writing doesn't have energy now, but I think it's 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 a more um, naive energy almost, which I like about it. I think they do it. I think, like anything you bring out as a major statement about yourself, like that, we're saying they're basically, I think, as writers, we're always constantly evolving anyway. So, like I've done a couple of self published books, and each one of them is very, very different to the previous one because mm-hmm. it's almost like if you go along doing more than one book, the second collection's a reaction to the first one, and anything that goes beyond that, I think like, that'd be like your journalism yourself, the way you think and act as a journalist changes over time, really, doesn't it? Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, you know yourself, I mean, you interview any band or any artist and it's always this new product is the best thing that I've ever done. <laughs> and as a reader or as a listener, we might not always agree, but um, I think as someone who's produced that work, it's um, it's a natural thing. You know, I think if, if we didn't look at the new work and think, oh yeah, I've really evolved as a writer um, or as a musician or whatever, you know, art work you, 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 you work within, I think we'd be failing, really. You know, we... We need to have that forward movement. Yeah, I think so, definitely as well. And it's sort of, everything's got to evolve all the time. And that's why I like mm-hmm. to, I know you get quite a lot of stuff published and you've had some stuff published in a few magazines I've got friends with as well, in Fragmented Voices, for example. I did a oh, session yeah, yeah. with Natalie last year and mm-hmm. she's a lovely lady, really, really lovely. I've known her mm-hmm. for years as well. So, but like I said, what it's like, I think as a poet, everything gets published, it even as like it's a full collection of a couple of pieces, it's also mm. it shows your evolution as a writer, getting it changing all the time. I mean, yeah, you were telling me before, weren't you? As well, like you look, you've gone and you've got another possible collection on the go, haven't you? And you're trying to get looking for interest at the moment with it, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I found, um, lockdown has just been a really, really productive period for me. Um, and yeah, I just seem to have had this outflowing of, of material, um, a lot of which 
Um, I feel it just hangs together quite nicely in, into a sort of pamphlet form where it's um, it's very much nature-based, which it, my original collection, you know, is, is what is, um, takes a lot of inspiration from nature, but I think this is an, an evolution from that. Um, it's probably, it's still got that magic realism or surrealism, whatever you want to call yeah. it. Yeah, I was trying to think of the word before when I read it also, I think surrealism is a good term for it actually as well. I can really see it, yeah, that's why I, that's why I enjoyed reading you and hearing you read, because so, you've, got, you've got some really quite unique in your style of writing, so straight away, so yeah, I agree with you on that. <laughs> well, I picked that up because when the collection was reviewed, uh, one of them said, um, Gen gentle English surrealism, and I read that and thought, oh, is that what I'm writing? <laughs> <laughs> so what's it now? Well, the new one's been harsh English re realism, I this. <laughs> <laughs> Well, things like we know when when we're writing, we don't really think about what we're doing, do we? We just follow um, our muse almost, you know what? And um, and so I've always just written what's come naturally. I haven't really tried to pigeonhole it in any way, and so it's always really interesting to see how other people perceive it. Yeah, no, I get it completely. Do you find then over lockdown, has as your writing gone in a different tangent to what it would have done previously? So I think all poets have been forced to face writing in different ways, haven't they? So we're soon we're into lockdown. Um, yes and no. I think it, it's, it's still being, you know, very nature-based. Um, maybe because, you know, I've been spending so much time outside because it's one of the few things we can do. Um, but I think that there's also been a few pieces that I've written which have been a lot more direct than usual, um, you know, that, that aren't using that... Um, you know, the, the surrealism or the imagism, it, it's more, um, I'm not going to say confessional, <laughs> but uh, it's probably a lot more direct than, than people would expect from my work. I think, uh, I think that applies a lot of writers, really, because I think over the lockdown, it's a force a lot of us really to confront things, mm. be more direct and perhaps in ways it would have been in the past, basically. Like, it was, yeah. I've got a piece of lockdown where I was worried sick about my family. I didn't, I didn't know whether we'd be able to get through lockdown. We're still far yeah. from that now. So and it's like, you also mourn, you hear about people you know that's dying of lockdown stuff. It's just been, I think it's as poets, I mean, we've got to almost like lock in the history, history details, really, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I think we, all, you know, however consciously or not, we react to, to in the environment, doesn't do it in circumstance. And I often find that for me, you know, I'll find that six months after an event happened, it'll filter through into my writing. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, you know, we're 10 months into lockdown now. So it kind of makes sense that within that period, you know, the, the events of lockdown, and as you say, you know, the, the strains that it's had, the, you know, family and friends being being ill with, with it, that it, it, it does filter through into, the, into our writing. Or if not directly, then, you know, it becomes more small p politicised in a way. You know, yeah. Like a, are being handled or mishandled. Yeah, I'm not really one for political stuff and poems, but I've had, a, I've had a couple of pieces that I've been writing where I've had a good rant against certain elements of society. And I think it's, it's, I think it's because we've been penned in and mm. we're just lashing out sometimes in a way that's we've never done before. So and it'll be interesting to see how all writers adjust to after we start lockdown eventually gets lifted. If we get that far, right? So <laughs> we will, we will eventually. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean with that. So, well, I said, um, you said before you like your, your a lot of yours is like your nature and stuff. So, where you live, then 
is it quite contrarious where you are then, or can you get to countryside quite easily? I'm very lucky, yeah. I mean, there's uh, just within 10 minutes walk of where I am, I've got some uh, quite ex extensive area of, of woodland. Oh, and nice. then getting a bit further afield, um, like 40 minute walk, I've got like Round Park, Golden Acre Park, which are, you know, big council and places. And it, if you drive, which I don't, you know, you're, you're only like half an hour away from being in the countryside. So it's during lockdown, so. especially, has just been so helpful. Yeah, I always find that as so many people have, I think during this period, you know, getting out for a walk um, when we can't do anything else, it's just been such a good way to clear my head. And I've always found it a good way anyway to um, think through pieces of writing, you know, whether it's a poem or a review, you know, you get stuck with something, don't you? And you go for a walk yeah. and suddenly that, that movement just releases things, I think. Yeah, no, completely. It's, I've also found as well, curious if you're doing such a nature writers. Where, where, where me and Amanda live, and well, um, just before we had the lockdown, luckily, they opened up a footpath onto the local river for us. We've been up and down the river all the time we have, on the banks of the river. And also, yeah. I found just after the lockdown, which I didn't, I didn't know about, there's a big forest not far, about 15 minutes walk from us. So the amount of time yeah. we're putting down on that, even though we've got big big wellies now, it's, it's caused that's problems in winter. But it's been, and you find it more about, about yourself as a person, don't you? You're doing this sort of thing like this. Like I said, it's, I think it's affected everybody that works. And it'd be interesting to see how we'll adjust back to adapt if you have to go back to the offices eventually and stuff. It doesn't matter. I think, certainly speaking for myself, you know, they're just going out for a walk every single day. You know, you notice the seasons so much more. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have been commenting on this thing, haven't they, where, you know, you, you notice the small things because it's the, the small things are the only thing that we have almost. Yeah. And, and that does it kind of it makes you more it makes you more connected to nature, but as you say, it, it also makes you more connected with yourself, I think. Yeah. And that's I think it's impacted loads of writers. So be interested time to see what happens next to us, definitely with that. So now, okay, Susan, that's pretty much all my questions today. So if people want to find out more about you, where are the best going? Uh, you can find me on Facebook, just under Susan Darlington. Or I'm on Twitter as well, which is um, Susan Darlington. It's S underscore S A N Darlington. And I know you've got I know you've got an account and write out loud as well. Haven't you? I've found that one before as well. Um, I have. Yes. Yes. Yeah, see. See. Uh, I, you for I need to. I need to get that one. <laughs> <laughs> got a really good poem in there called "The Doll's House." Anyone wants to read it as well, so I recommend that one certainly. So, <laughs> so oh, that's why I said okay. Guys, it goes. We're gonna let Susan get composed, and we'll get read a few poems out for us. Thank you again, Susan. It's been an interesting chat us today. So we'll see well, you in a minute. Spokenly. Hi, guys. Is it yet? We're still here with Susan. She's gonna do four pieces for us today. Over to you, Susan. Oh yeah, the first one I'm going to read for you is called the Cage. Um, we've talked quite uh, extensively about nature being an influence on the writing. Um, so this one vaguely touches on, on the idea of uh, nature and, and birds. Is it the cage. She painted birds on the walls. A goldfinch perched on the dado rail and seven magpies caught in flight. Secrets hidden in their pinhole eyes. She talks to them every day. Uses a rigger to touch up their colours when they start to fade. Keeps them from falling ill or growing old. 
One Sunday, when the window was open, a magpie peeled itself off the wall and flew out before she could catch it. The next day, her mother died. Now she keeps the casements locked and has bricked up the front door, swallowed the silver key that clatters against our hollow bones when she moves. We see her looking across the street from inside her cage of yesterdays as one white feather flutters down, lands on the swell of her shoulder blade. Wonderful, wonderful stuff that. Really subtle, and I, I love subtleness behind that as well. So really, really, really powerful stuff that one, Susan. What made you write that piece? Where did inspiration for that come from? Um, I think it was, uh, you know, the, 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 the 70s trend that we have, or we've mm. had, for, for the flying ducks on the wall. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, and yeah, yeah. I, I was just thinking about those, and it's like, well, you know, what, what happens if these ducks just came to life? <laughs> um, and so from that very silly idea, it sort of turned into something a, a little bit darker. Yeah, um, there was, it was quite that. I seem to have written quite a few poems during lockdown where... I've been killing off various relatives, so I don't, I don't quite know what the psychology behind that is. Oh, well, you have, you have, you have read much of Amanda's stuff. Oh, God, she kills people off left, right, and she does. So <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we do like a very informal writing workshop, and there's, there's only like me, us two, and a few friends. And it's mm. a running joke. We have at least three of the people are there. They're all saying, Oh, Amanda's not killed in every office exercise. <laughs> That's why, but yeah, no, it's, I think you do is like, of that sort of thing, it's easy enough. You do a light topic and turn dark right in the into sometimes. So that was great, great for this piece out. Okay, on to number two. Uh, yeah, this next piece um, also features a bird. Um, and this one again, it was from um, it, it was from a, a photo I saw where it was a swan on white on the, on the snow. Um, and again, just thinking about that, that image, really, this one came from that. So very unoriginally, it's called Swan and the Snow. Swan wrapped her wings around the world and went to sleep. Snow fell from her feathers, small flurries that grew into blinding storms. It covered rusted gates, empty playground rides, and it blocked roads. The world paused, gulped down the silence, spewed out white noise. Days passed into months as the snow deepened and swan dreamt. Men dragged wooden chairs and broken tables outside, piled them onto bonfires. Their fury burned until three charred crows fell from the sky. Excellent, excellent. You are very good, Susan. That's why I, I know what I'm reading your stuff online. You're very good at keeping your pieces short and concise. Definitely with that one. So that, there's not a word misplaced. That's wonderful stuff. That was excellent. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I always think this uh, half half the art of, of, of writing is in editing. You, know, you start yeah, off yeah. with these things which fill five notebooks and then you chip and chip and chip away. And by the end of it, you know, you've got a haiku. <laughs> Yeah, I can relate to that. <laughs> do you find that then, you're, in, when you're doing your poems, do, is the editing process as long, much longer than the, the poem takes to write originally for you? 
A lot of the time, yeah. I mean, every now and then, you know, you do have that flash of genius or inspiration and, you know, you, you write something and it needs very little editing. Um, but yeah, I do find that the vast majority of time I'll, I'll sit and I might write an entire poem out in one sitting, but then, yeah, it, the rest of it is a process of just chipping away and thinking, what's the core of this piece? How do I tie it all together? Um, you know, what, what do we not need in this poem? You know, I like to be, um, to have very, very strong images. I think to have those images, um, you kind of don't want the extra detail. You want to just focus on, on that bare essential. So for me, I, I find a lot of them sort of come to me in quite a visual way. And I guess yeah, that's yeah. what I'm trying to capture on the page. Yeah, yeah, that showed really well, that excellent, excellent stuff indeed. Uh, thoughtful with striking images, great poetry. So, okay, <laughs> on to number three then. Uh, this next one, I think we, we spoke earlier um, about how some of my, the pieces I've written during lockdown have been a bit more direct. And I think this is one of these pieces. It actually came out of a, a magazine call, which was um, about um, memories associated with songs. Mm. Um, and this one is from, um, inspired by something around a Sharon Vanetton track um, called We Are Fine. And the poem itself is called, It's All Right. There's blood in my pants, a cramping pain in my belly. And Sharon Van Etten is on the stereo telling me, it's all right, it's all right. I slide down the tiles, curl around the toilet bowl, try and stop the shaking by mouthing the words, it's all right, it's all right. But the song stops playing and still nothing is all right. Because even though I ached for this child, right now I want my mother to gather me in her arms, stroke my hair and repeat until I can really believe. It's all right. It's all right. Excellent. Excellent. Again, that's really good. To, uh, what's good about the difference about that piece, the versatile repetition, that it's all right. I mean, you carried it spot on there, you did really, because... But that was like, I felt each one was, it's all right, was in there for a purpose. And I mean, tell me what you think you, you must have read poems like I am, they're doing the repetition, it's overdone. But that's not overdone, that was, that was pretty pitch perfect, well done, excellent. Now, I know I know you've got a big love of music that comes up into your poetry sometimes, because I know in Under the Devil's Moon, I read a review in it saying like, it was um, the people saying that you had epi epigrams, weren't they, from rock bands and musicians like Smog and Ryan Adams and stuff. Do you still find you do that? Do you have a lot of music, music cropping up in your poetry sometimes? Uh, very little, really, to say ah. that you know, the, the two main interests in my life are music and, and writing. Um, the, the, I've got that poem that I've just read. Um, and another one that I wrote during lockdown um, is references Courtney Love, um, who, you're nodding as if you know who she is, uh, fronted the band Hole um, and has also been an actress. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are the only two what really, um, even though I would, I would have said that certainly starting out writing, um, it wasn't necessarily poets that got me into it, it was lyricists. Um, you know, I loved... Um, people like, you know, um, Jarvis Cocker, um, Brett Anderson, Morrissey, that whole very kitchen sink way of, of writing and talking about what's going on in your, in your life, which, 
you might not be able to see in my in my poetry, um, but it was that connection that um, you know the ability to reflect my life and how I was feeling that I really really made me want to write. Yeah, same for me as well, really, because I guess what started me off in poetry and reading it came later on, you know. Shit. So I was like younger, I was massively using Scott Walker, who pulp obviously last album was reduced by Scott Walker. So and that's why it, a lot of that came for me. Then it led into poetry in my own direction after that. So yeah, good career. You could get you completely with that one. So fantastic. Yeah. Okay, we're off to the onto the big finale now, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, the last piece. <laughs> um, so I said just then that uh, lots of the pieces are quite visual. Um, and this piece was actually, um, the starting point for it was a photograph by Francesca Woodman, um, who as I worked in the 70s, um, she would now be called, classed as a sort of feminist or surrealist photographer. Um, though at the time she was pretty much un unknown until she, she tragically died very young. Um, if I'd prepared this, I would have got the, the, the photograph so that I could show it to you. But it's got a little little line at the bottom of it um, where it just says, then at one point, I did not need to translate the notes. They went directly to my hands. And that was the starting point for this poem, which is called Translate the Notes. And then one day, I didn't even need the piano. I swept its ivory keys into the concert of my skin and laid them in the sissura between my vertebra. I cut the hammer strings from the unwritten frame and stretched them along the steel line of my nerves until my whole body vibrated with translated notes. I tightened the tuning pins in my fingertips and my body became music under my touch. Oh, wow. You caught me out then. I, I thought you I thought they probably just started to get going then. Is that <laughs> that's, that's the good way of doing it sometimes that you pull the rug out from people's feet when they least expect it oh excellent really really good good very four pieces there today so thank you for today brilliant now well, thank you very much for inviting me hang around I need to quit with your bike so I usually need to go through but well, been brilliant today I want to thank you again Susan it's been a fantastic session and a pleasure having no, you on you. so take care guys and girls I'll see you all soon spot on there.